Welcome to the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast, giving you the latest evidence-based research and cutting-edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubs. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dr. Bubs Performance Podcast, evidence-informed, practical-based. This is season two, episode number six, and today we're going to talk practical approaches to strength training for women with national powerlifting record holder Isabel Lahela. Regardless if you're new to strength training, if you're a fit female athlete, or perhaps a coach or trainer working with female clients, Isabel's got some great, great insights for you here today. In this episode, she's going to discuss body image and body composition in females, the community factor and how important that is for motivation and compliance, benefits for CrossFit in women, and factors you should consider before you start. She'll also touch on why being a beginner can be a real bonus when you're trying to learn how to Olympic lift, as well as really common misconceptions about powerlifting for women. She'll also share her nutrition tips for fat loss, her background in dance, as well as her fight with an eating disorder during that time, as well as sharing her philosophy today on healthy eating and training. Terrific tips and insights here from Isabel, who not only competes, but trains clients and athletes herself. Uh, If you're interested in more info on training and fat loss in women, then be sure to circle back to season one, episode number 49 with Dr. Susan Kleiner. And if you're more endurance-focused, then check out episode number 38 with Dr. Tamsin Lewis, MD. Of course, you can check out my layups, simple, actionable tips from this episode at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. All right, before we get started, a quick word from our new sponsor, Totem Sport. Totem Sport is the world's only 100% natural supplement. No sugar, no artificial flavors, absolutely nothing added. What is it? Totem Sport is the world's purest deep ocean mineral water. Collected from natural algae blooms in the Atlantic Ocean, Totem Sport is the only sports drink supplement that contains all 78 naturally occurring minerals and trace elements. Totem Sport is highly bioavailable and has been shown in research to enhance stamina by stabilizing blood glucose levels during exercise, as well as strengthening immunity by buffering exercise-induced reductions in key immune markers. The research on deep ocean mineral water is ramping up, a recent study highlighting its major promise as the optimal rehydrating strategy over spring water and other sports drinks. Totem Sport is the evolution of hydration, the world's only 100% natural sport drink, tested and approved by Informed Sport and Informed Choice. Check out totemsport.co.uk and defy the norm. All right, let's get things rolling. Season two, episode number six on strength training applications for women. Enjoy the show. I'm joined today by Isabel Lahela a multi-strength sport athlete and personal trainer whose aim is to promote positive body image, self-love, and confidence through strength training. While not a self-confessed natural-born athlete, Isabel is currently a Canadian national powerlifting record holder as well as a Canadian national Olympic weightlifter. She works hard and stays consistent with her training and lifestyle, aiming to show others that fitness is truly a way of life, as well as a total mind and body remedy. Awesome. Isabel, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. Terrific. Well, listen, can we kick things off perhaps by talking a little bit more about your background and how you got into training, CrossFit, Olympic lifting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was a dancer. I danced for 15 years, so pretty much my entire life until I went to university um, where I then stopped dancing and encountered like a bunch of issues just with being very sedentary, having been super active my entire life and I never played any kind of sports or anything 
So I didn't, I didn't have any extracurricular activities to get into that were more popular and I had no idea how to work out, how to go to the gym or anything like that. So essentially I just kind of researched and taught myself what I was supposed to do in the gym and then just started working out a little bit like bodybuilding style, which then led me to discovering CrossFit. And then through that, I was recruited to an Olympic weightlifting team and then now I'm powerlifting. Wow, that's fantastic. And before we jump into the CrossFit, Olympic lifting, powerlifting, even from a dancing background, what were some of the the benefits there that dovetailed into your lifting career and and maybe some of the pitfalls of of being a dancer as well? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think mobility is uh, like a double-edged sword for me. Um, I'm super, super mobile from dance, which is great, but at the same time, detrimental to a sport like powerlifting, for example, because I'm just hypermobile and um, not very stable. Like My joints are very loose, which caused me some issues and injuries in weightlifting, and I'm like still dealing with that, just trying to strengthen the ligaments and like all the connective tissue. Yeah, it's definitely something where people always assume that the you know, people who are tight and stiff always assume that just being really excessively mobile is, is going to be a, a you know panacea for everything. But you get you know problems at either end, so it's interesting to see your you know your side of that as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned getting into CrossFit, obviously a massive phenomenon of the last decade. Totally right. changed the fitness industry. Totally changed how even body types are portrayed. You know, what do you feel are some of the benefits for CrossFit with women? Oh, I think, I mean, for myself, like the main benefit was the emphasis on performance rather than aesthetics. I think that was like a huge turning point just in my life in general. Whereas I was coming from a dance background where it was all about the way you looked and like the shapes you could make your body create on stage and was heavily like there was just a huge focus on what your body actually looked like. Um, which caused like a bunch of eating issues and like all sorts of things like that for myself and all like everyone else I knew who danced. And then since starting CrossFit, I was just like embraced into this community of strong women who were much more focused on what their bodies could do versus how their bodies could look. And also just the whole CrossFit community, like people joke and make fun that it's culty, but it's amazing because everyone loves it so much and is so encouraging and it's just such an upbringing community um in like contrast with dance which is just the complete opposite and kind of tears you down and is not very inclusive so i think it's amazing for women and men for sure yeah and you touched on a lot of great points there one of which is which we'll circle back to i mean things like eating disorders especially in um, things like dance are definitely really prevalent. So definitely want to circle back to that as we get towards the end and talk about nutrition. Uh, but that piece on community yeah, is massive in terms of just the thirst everyone had for this, this community, this supportive community, uh, which CrossFit definitely, you know, supplied, uh, is, is amazing. And, you know, the, the next piece would be if, if someone's, starting out you know let's say it's the new year someone wants to you know perhaps like yourself at some point hasn't lifted weight so much or is getting into it what kind of things would you suggest for women in terms of starting out uh, heading into any crossfit class are there things to consider um yeah i mean i think what holds people back from crossfit is just the fear that they aren't advanced enough but um i mean in my experience and like what i've seen at the gym I work at, for example, is there's always foundations classes. So if you have zero experience, like you're not, you're absolutely not alone. And there's a lot of beginners and everyone is so encouraging and inclusive. So um, 
I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone should be afraid to start per se. And I don't think you need to be advanced to do CrossFit at all. Like, obviously, a bunch of the moves are very technical, but I think it's actually great if you learn, um, say you start CrossFit from scratch, like with no strength training background. I think it's really great to learn the technique of all the lifts before you're strong and then before you have an ego to try to muscle through Olympic lifts, for example. And then you're probably less likely to get hurt if you start fresh in CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, it's nice sometimes to start with that blank slate. It's like people don't have all those tensions and imbalances or preconceptions that they might do if they've already been training. Um, now, what about for more elite female athletes listening in that are perhaps really into CrossFit, you know, performance-driven? Have you got any tips or things to help them you know, take their game to the next level? Um, in regards to training? Yeah, in terms of training for CrossFit, whether it's periodization, whether it's things to focus on. Um, um, I mean, I think a lot of, I know a lot of like high level CrossFitters now do a lot of just straight up strength training, like more powerlifting style strength training. Um, but I think a lot of like medium level people who are just really into CrossFit, but aren't necessarily like super high level CrossFit games competitors neglect things like that because um, that's not necessarily the way they compete. But I think raw strength is ultimately going to help you um, in CrossFit and basically any other most sports because CrossFit is still like largely a strength sport. So I think that would help along with all their endurance training, obviously. Yeah, it's great advice. Obviously, class settings is difficult to sort of periodize and really get overloads going. So as you mentioned, you know, the more elite athletes are definitely getting into their more strength phases and periodizing things. And um, Mm -hmm. interestingly, last year I had one of Canada's greatest ever athletes, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, Heather Moyes on the show. Um, I think it was maybe episode 47 and she's, you know, naturally strong and athletic. And of course, when she was in high school, um, you know, in the, in the nineties actively avoided training because, you know, it just was a different era than it is today. Um, but of course she learned to Olympic lift, um, you know, bobsleigh, rugby, etc. And now obviously, you know, with your experience, Olympic lifting is something that's become increasingly popular, especially amongst women. Um, yeah. so again, if we, if we go from 30,000 feet, why should, um, women looking to improve their health or body composition think about Olympic weightlifting? Um, I think Olympic weightlifting is just an amazing sport to like to make you athletic. It's like speed and power driven. It makes you strong. It helps your mobility. Um, it's also super technical, so it just gives you something to really focus on and like improve on and you're constantly learning. So I think it's great in that respect, but it's also very very difficult and technical and like mentally draining I find definitely and I, I find as well obviously you mentioned the mobility and flexibility being so key and I think for you know even a lot of men or guys getting into it who maybe have played other sports have got a lot of stiffness and tensions or imbalances it's amazing how that dynamic of needing all those components of flexibility mobility strength that you know females tend to have better mobility and flexibility. And so, as you mentioned, technique being so key to the lifts that they often have, you know, superior technique when we, when we kind of look mm-hmm. at things from a starting point, is that something that you see? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually in my, the team that I used to train with, there were more women than men, which was kind of cool. <laughs> awesome. And for you, how many, how long have you been Olympic weightlifting now? How many years have you been, um, training and putting into into getting to this elite national level i started training just like completely from scratch four years ago just over four years ago and i started weightlifting probably a year later maybe not even yeah a year a year or so later so three years 
and then I don't I don't currently compete in weightlifting. I'm just competing in powerlifting since like for maybe ten months. Terrific. And in terms of before we jump into the powerlifting side of things, you know, as you were training up in terms of your Olympic lifts, if again people are listening in who are you know getting into Olympic lifting, starting to make some progress, uh, what are some of the common roadblocks or, or areas where people are going to get stuck in terms of making progress with their Olympic lifts? Um, I think uh, roadblocks would be mostly like a lot mental um, because it's it's very slow. I feel like even if you have beginner gains a lot of the time, it's just like you are strong. So or if you are strong, you can lift certain things with poor technique. And also like for, for me, for example, I was Olympic lifting with just with CrossFit for a while for almost a year and then once I joined just a straight up Olympic weightlifting team I had to relearn everything and start from complete scratch even though I could already clean and jerk like 125 pounds I was put back to an empty bar just to relearn everything so I think it's just a big ego hit with Olympic weightlifting as well um just aside from the actual physical demand it's very mentally taxing that's interesting. Can you talk about some of those differences between sort of CrossFit Olympic lifting and, and you know, real traditional Olympic lifting? Because I know that's definitely one where a lot of strength coaches on both sides of the of the fence, they're talking about techniques in CrossFit versus traditional techniques. And, and um, yeah, I'd love to hear your insights on that. Um, well, I mean, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I don't know all the intricacies of CrossFit anymore because I'm so removed from that community. But from what I've seen in competitions and such, they don't, you know, it's not the same rules as an Olympic weightlifting competition. You can, if you get the lift, even if you don't lock out your arms or like your knee drops on the snatch, it still counts, which would never happen in a weightlifting meet. Like if your technique isn't perfect, pretty much, if you don't, you know, if you have a minor press out on a jerk or you like example like your knee falls down in the snatch which you see a lot with crossfitters like that won't count so there's a lot more leeway in crossfit which i think is i think is really dangerous because it just encourages poor technique and i see a lot at even just gyms i go to of people being encouraged to do their poor weightlifting technique which is just so dangerous like weightlifting is already really dangerous for your body (laughs) and then if you're doing it if you're practicing it so incorrectly all the time with such heavy weights i think that's really bad yeah it can definitely be something that's in that middle zone when people are finished being a beginner when they get starting into the training as as you mentioned then all of a sudden the volume starts to go up and you know if the coaches aren't really keeping a keen eye then all of a sudden with poor form that volume can really start to accumulate and of course um you know cause some yeah. issues in terms of if there's already imbalances going on, whether it's T-spine or hips or low back or whatnot. So um, definitely good advice yeah. to keep people uh, on point with their form, making sure that they're getting that checked by their coach and maybe even dovetailing into a lot of the Olympic lifting classes as well um, at some of the CrossFit facilities. Um, yeah. I also think it's insane that CrossFit does like 100 snatches in a row. Like, that's just crazy to me. For sure. And that will definitely dovetail into a little – more of the strength and conditioning coaches who work in team sport and things. And obviously that idea of, well, why are we doing what we're doing? You know, is it sort of, it becomes a sport on its own, which you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, CrossFit versus actually being specific to kind of gearing up training for, for a particular sport or athletic endeavor, because yeah, at a hundred snatches, I mean, (laughs) we're, we're, we're getting into a lot different, uh, 
um, muscle fiber types and, and energy systems, etc. So um, now you say you're not a natural born athlete, yet you are currently a Canadian national powerlifting record holder. Um, so, you know, what have you learned through powerlifting along the way in your training career? Um, I'm actually very new to powerlifting. I just started this past winter, so not even a year ago. Um, so I don't even know what I've learned from powerlifting so far other than that, like I kind of felt very stuck with weightlifting and, um, it started to become like not fun for me anymore. Um, just because it was so mentally difficult. And then I kind of forgot why I originally started, which was like as a sanctuary, I guess, like gym as like a remedy for real life. And I could just go and like, um, forget everything else and just train and then it became this whole other thing so I think powerlifting really just brought me back to why I originally started training and it's so much fun and it's definitely a lot seems to be a lot easier on my body so far and I've, I've noticed it's just in general a lot more popular and a lot more people actually powerlift and I feel like um, it's even more it's kind of more back to like the CrossFit community where it's it seems to be super inclusive and everyone's very friendly um, because you're really only competing against yourself. Whereas weightlifting, people aren't se- don't seem to be quite as friendly because you're kind of even though you're in different weight classes, like you're kind of all competing against each other just based on the way it works for like international qualifiers and Olympic qualifiers and stuff like that. Um, since powerlifting isn't an Olympic sport, I don't feel like it has the same kind of competitive um, vibe within the community because you can. You know, weightlifting is kind of a game. Like, you can go, and some days you can lift certain things. Some days you just can't lift certain things, whereas powerlifting, like, if you're not strong enough, like, you're not going to be able to lift something. So people, it's not uncommon to see people in the same weight class cheering for each other, which is just really great and fun. That's awesome. And I think there's, you know, obviously a lot of myths around strength training in general and even things like powerlifting. So I think, you know, for, for women who are, doctors, practitioners, nutritionists listening in who maybe aren't as familiar with, with things like even Olympic lifting or powerlifting, you know, I think the injury side of things would be one that surprises them. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, reductions in injuries from powerlifting or what are some of the things around the powerlifting that makes it, you know, safer than traditional lifting for you versus what people might think is a more dangerous uh, sport? Yeah, I mean, even I thought powerlifting was more dangerous when I first started just because I feel like there are so many injured powerlifters, but... Um, Weightlifting, just with the the way the technique is, um, it's I find very easy to compensate. Like if you don't have great thoracic mobility, you can overcompensate with your lumbar spine and then develop issues there and like develop knee issues. And it's just a lot of it's just such high volume that I, it ends up being a lot of repetitive motion on the same thing and like the snatch, the clean jerk. You're always catching the same position. So I find it very hard on certain joints, but, um, powerlifting, all the lifts are very different mechanically and the range of motion is much, much smaller. You don't need to go ass to grass on your squat. You can just hit below parallel, which feels amazing. And, um, yeah, I think people hurt themselves powerlifting, not because of their technique, but just because they're trying to lift like literally just way more weight than they can handle or they're trying to pull a deadlift with a rounded back even though they shouldn't be so I think it's maybe sometimes more just ignoring proper form whereas you could just be safer like I I 
I haven't experienced knock on wood. I haven't experienced any injuries this entire year through powerlifting, which is awesome because I've been getting so much stronger. That's fantastic. And, you know, mm-hmm. if we talk even just things like body composition, obviously strength training, whether it's CrossFit, ollie lifting, weightlifting, powerlifting, these things are phenomenal for creating lean muscle mass, supporting body composition. So for you, when you're working with clients, um, in terms of things like body composition or fat loss, you know, what's the right mix for folks in terms of trying to select the, the best approach, whether it's, you know, one versus the other, or what are some of the fundamentals maybe that you use with, with your clients when you're working with them? Um, a lot of my clients, I mean, I would definitely say like assess what you enjoy doing is number one, because like whatever kind of training you enjoy is the one that you're going to end up doing the most and like get the most benefit from. But, um, since I do power lifting, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding, like that's what a lot of my clients come to me for, which is great because I find, especially just like a general power building program. So kind of crossfitty, like with some Metcon type cardio, but mostly focused on, strength training and like heavy lifting and high volume bodybuilding that will just give you the most bang through your buck time wise and you'll just like build the most lean mass and burn the most calories in the shortest amount of time with a combination of those three things awesome and how about for for women who are maybe it's that last five or eight pounds or really trying to get as lean as possible you know for you is it then more on the dietary side is there tweaks around you know metcon volumes or intensities or or which direction would you typically go when you're trying to get someone that extra bit leaner 100 percent diet like 10,000 percent diet i think there's only so much training you can do and be healthy and like not burn yourself out and then if you just try to add too much more i think then you just end up even hungrier and then could end up not losing any weight and just doing more volume and stressing your body even more and I think diet's just easier because then you're not you're not adding something extra where it's like going to take up even more time, but you're just removing something. Yeah, that's great. I mean, everybody eats, so this is it becomes easy to to dovetail yeah. into things like nutrition. Now, you know, if we're on this kind of body composition, fat loss, yeah, what are some of those? Maybe let's just start with even some of the fundamentals for you. If someone is trying to to lose weight, and then we'll we'll talk about that sort of person trying to get extra lean. So yeah, if someone's just starting out. Um, or trying to lose weight, what are some of the the keys for you in terms of nutrition? I mean, it's so individualized and so different for everybody, but I would just first obviously assess portion control and just like the sheer amount of food that someone's eating. I wouldn't start like removing food groups or anything like that. I would just first try to get um, portion size under control and like educate someone on how much they should be eating and maybe how much protein they should be eating. And then I would dive into like carbs and fats a little bit later. Cool. And, and any, just, any practical tips on things like portion size? Like do you like using whether it's hands or thumbs or, or size of a certain plate or what are some of the things you like to use with your clients? Um, yeah, I mean standard like protein, the size of the palm of your hand and like a cup of a carb or something like that, or like handfuls of vegetables Definitely, I think that works um, if you're just starting out, but I'm a big fan of the food scale. <laughs> nice, nice. And that's, that's definitely my favorite tool. And then I think once someone understands like what a portion should look like, then I, I encourage the scale. <laughs> yeah, the food like, scale can be definitely a powerful weapon for people to really understand what's going in. Um, yeah. Do you think people should use it? You know, in your experience, is it do people get tired of using it after a certain amount of time? Is there kind of a magic window of, of a certain amount of time where people can really get a lot of the benefits without having to necessarily fully commit to weighing their food full full stop? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I just encourage it. Maybe, I mean, I would encourage it for, like, extended periods of time. But I know a lot of people don't like doing that. So just to the point where you can, you really get used to seeing what, for example, four ounces of chicken looks like. Obviously, if it's not exact, it's not really going to make a huge difference. But just until you can kind of look at it and estimate what something weighs, just so you get a decently accurate serving size. And then I think you don't really need to use it anymore. Yeah, I'm always amazed at how visual people are. So yeah, just seeing the amounts of foods on plates or, or portion sizes, whether it's going one way with more or one way with less, it's amazing how people can really resonate once they see it. And it's you know so easy yeah. for them to then repeat. Um, yeah. I recently had uh, Dr. Susan Kleiner on the show, phenomenal sport nutritionist. And she's a big proponent of, you know, if we're talking sort of performance driven, um, you know, really prioritizing, even in body composition for that matter, our, you know, carbohydrate intake around exercise to be able to maintain a lot of those uh, gains in terms of workout performance and intensity. And if people are starting to limit then then away from training, um, is that something that you use a lot with clients? Do you have a, another strategy that might work as well? Where's your take on that? I definitely do that. I work with a company called Renaissance Periodization, if you've heard of it, very popular with weightlifting and CrossFitters. Mm-hmm. And um, so they... Like I, I send my clients to them to do their nutrition planning and that's a that's a huge proponent of their programming is because they obviously reduce carbs as your diet goes on if you're doing a cut and they always leave carbs around training so that you have the energy to train and you're not feeling so depleted when you're actually depleting your carbs. So yeah, absolutely, I would do that. Yeah, it's definitely a big one that I see of limiting around exercise and all of a sudden the intensity of the exercise starts to to diminish and then of course the adaptation to exercise becomes diminished I mean, it's this downward spiral um, that can really start to impact things like uh, improvements and you know performance in the gym and of course things like body composition as well um, anything else on the nutrition front in terms of differences with um, you know female versus male clients or things that uh, you know themes that you see regularly in clients coming in whether it's performance driven athletes or 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 fat loss body composition um, clients? Um, I think actually goals wise, a lot of the time uh, men and women have similar goals. Like people generally want to, or at least people that I work with want to be stronger, have more muscle and be leaner. Um, The only thing I see very frequently is girls under eating, especially when they start coming to me is just like severely under eating. And then they're always shocked at how much, they end up eating once like after a few months of working with me that their caloric intake has just skyrocketed and their body composition has changed so much and they end up losing weight when they eat more, which is just, I think a hard thing for women to accept because they've been told, or I don't even know how this happens, but like you think you're supposed to eat so little, like a lot of girls I know, they're like, Oh, I should only eat 1500 calories a day or this number of carbs and it's just crazy and a lot of the times that doesn't even actually end up happening and like a lot of girls think they're eating certain amounts and are actually eating completely different which is why I encourage tracking just for even like a short period of time just so you can really see what you're putting into your body that's a great point and you know on that um, continuum when you first start to introduce more uh, food which is definitely something that you know again I see this a lot as well which is Great, great to see these kind of themes going on. But when, when people, when you start to introduce more of this food, how do they respond initially? Do you do you get a bit of pushback? Are people, you know, confident in things? How does that how does that look for people listening in? 
people tend to be very resistant to eating more because they're afraid of losing weight. And I experienced this exact same thing when I first started working with Renaissance and I didn't want to eat too much. Like I was so scared of eating too much. Um, but I wanted to be stronger and I wanted to be leaner and my training volume was increasing. So especially when I start working with people and we're working out and I'm doing power building, Metcon, CrossFit type workouts, like they're going to need to eat more. So I just try to make them understand that they're burning more energy. So at the very least, they're not going to gain anything. And then they end up obviously losing fat and gaining muscle and um, realizing that they can just eat so much more than they've been eating and have so much more energy on a daily basis. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, two women or men at the same weight with different body compositions, someone who's 25% body fat versus 17 or 18 is just a totally different yeah. body image completely, even though the, the weight on the scale is, is the same. So I think that's definitely a tough one for men and obviously for women. Um, yeah. And if we circle back to your background as a dancer, you know, in working with dancers, even in a lot of endurance athletes or female, things like eating disorders tend to be more common than in other areas. Can you talk a little bit about your experience and, and things that help you to get through that? Yeah. Um, so I was when I was really young, I thought, like I, I remember so clearly, like this one moment where I kind of developed an issue. I was maybe like eight or 10 years old and we were taking our class photo at dance. And I just like looked at myself and I was like, wow, I look completely different than everyone else in my ballet class. And I was never overweight by any means. Like I'm a five foot one, I'm a really small person. And I just thought I was so fat. And then like from then on, I always had this in the back of my mind. Um, that I just wanted to be so, so skinny. And I'm not naturally an ectomorph, but I'm by no means overweight. So um, yeah, I just always had that issue in the back of my mind and everyone else was the same way. Like even if they were tiny, 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 super skinny ballerinas, like they thought they were fat and we would get comments from our dance instructors like, why are you eating this sandwich? Why don't you have a salad? Like just constantly repeating such negative like stuff about food and eating and it was really bad. So um, I would just always try to eat as little as possible and be so hungry. And then I developed like this really bad binging issue and I would just starve myself and then binge and then feel horrible. And just, it was a really bad cycle for a really long time. And um, I actually, like, I still had this issue when I started working out originally and just doing my own kind of bodybuilding stuff until I started doing CrossFit. And then I was like under 100 pounds at this point, um, still wanted to be even skinnier, decided to do paleo because I thought it would make me even skinnier. And it definitely did. But I was starving at all times and I I was eating like under a thousand calories a day so then finally I discovered RP and basically did like almost a massing phase where I just increased my calories to like over 2000 and like that just changed everything and I, I ended up like gaining a little bit of weight but then ultimately just getting way stronger and then leaning out again and it was a very, very slow process. And I finally feel like now after four years, I've kind of gotten over the binging and the wanting to be skinny and all that. But it took a really long time. And, and during that process, like, was there a doctor, therapist, coach? Was it family or friends? An, an experience that you know kind of helped you to, to flip the switch and be able to get through it? Because obviously for a lot of people, it's um, it goes the other way. Yeah. Um, I briefly 
talk to my doctor about it, but I was like very private and like very embarrassed about the whole thing and I didn't want to share with anybody. So I think that's why it took me so long because I really did it all on my own other than having the help of like professionals in the strength world in regards to diet like Renaissance and other companies like that. But I think if I had spoken to other people about it, it, it would have been much easier. And any advice you'd give for young women who are you know, in school or athletic or having similar feelings and experiences like that? Like, what, what would you um, say to them if you could give them advice? I mean, I would definitely say if you're really struggling with something like that, um, try to seek out help. Uh, because obviously, if I just, you know, I tell people all the time, like, you don't want to be skinny. Like, eating less doesn't actually make you, like, healthy or skinny or anything like that. But it's really hard to listen to someone who says that. Um, although I can say it happened to me and I got over it. So it's real, but, um, I think definitely just seeking some form of professional help because you don't know what to do. And even like I got into this rabbit hole of, of just doing self research and like all, there's so much information on the internet and you have no idea what's right and what's wrong. And you're, un it's unlikely that you're reading scientific papers or just reading articles and you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know if they are of any value and, there's just so much garbage information out there. And then like a lot of people will just listen to it, you know, cut out bread or like cut out strange food groups for no reason. And like, they just don't really know. So definitely talking to very reputable people, professionals, I think is the way to go. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic advice. So I really appreciate you sharing your story, your insights for training um, and your training history and training for women. I want to respect your time here. So last question for you. We're going to save the hardest one for last year. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice to women who are trying to improve body composition, um, you know, that 20% of the fundamentals that helps to get them, you know, about 80% of the way there, that Pareto principle, you know, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I think don't be, I would say don't be afraid of heavy weights is a huge one because you can diet all you want. You can do as much cardio as you want. But body composition-wise, if you want that quote-unquote toned look, like toning is muscle tone, so you're going to need to have muscle. So building muscle, I think, is the main one. And obviously, you need like a moderately heavy weight to do that, put progressive overload on your body to adapt and grow. And yeah, that'll also obviously increase your metabolism and just help everything. And I think largely help confidence and just mental strength too when you're like overcoming challenging feats on a regular basis and like lifting things that you couldn't lift before it just helps in so many other ways and largely with body composition awesome that's fantastic advice um you know where can people keep up with what you're doing where can people stay connected with you on social media um and keep tabs on all, all the great stuff that you're doing um well i'm my main platform for social media is instagram so it's at isabel.lahela and then my website is isabelahela.com so those are my main two. I'm just starting it on YouTube if anyone wants to check that out. But there's like two videos right now. <laughs> awesome. We'll definitely include all those links in a podcast summary in the show notes at drbubs.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again, Isabel, for coming on today. Thanks again for everyone else tuning in. If you guys have any questions or want to leave a comment on today's episode, we'd love to hear from you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can use the hashtag DrBubsPP and find me at DrBubs. Of course, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and share with friends and colleagues. Awesome. Thanks again and see you guys all next week.
The Dr. Bub's Performance Podcast endeavors to provide accurate and helpful information to listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Dr. Bub's Performance Podcasts.